I'm so excited today. We get to continue our series. TD talked last week um, in this series, and we're just going to continue it today. It's a series called Expansion. And today, my part, um, we're going to be talking, and the title for this morning is Same God, Different Day. Um, and this idea of expansion, we are picking up an axe. Um, if you guys want to turn there in your Bible, if not, it'll be up on the screen. But we are picking up an axe where Stephen um, is sharing the good news, the good news of what Jesus has done, that now there is freedom and, and salvation available to not just the Jews, but the Gentiles alike. Man, the Holy Spirit is being given to people. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church, and the church is moving. Man, this is the time that the Christian church is being launched, that people are being sent out, that the Holy Spirit is empowering his church and his people, and it is spreading like wildfire, this Jesus movement. But as usual, right, we have this movement, this thing happening that Jesus is doing a new thing that Stephen is helping lead, and God's pouring out his spirit on people, and it's coming up in conflict against the religious leadership, against people in power and authority within the religious Jewish movement. And so it's coming up with conflict because Stephen, they're realizing, man, this guy's got momentum. He's got power. He's got authority. Something is happening. And so there becomes jealousy and struggle for authority and power. And the systems that were in place don't match the systems that are now moving forward. And so conflict is happening. So the religious people convince these guys, hey, I need you to spread rumors about Stephen, that he's speaking against the law, he's speaking against Moses and the temple, and all of these things that are basically like the holy grail for the Jewish religious people, right? He's speaking against these things and against our people. And so as they begin to spread these lies, Stephen begins um, to get, uh, what, he gets arrested, and now he's standing before the council of religious council. He's standing before them, basically his life on trial. And if we know, just flashing forward, which we are going to be talking about this because the series continues, but Stephen ends up being stoned to death. So here we are, Stephen is here, standing before his religious peers, right, who should be on his team, <laughs> defending his life, defending the gospel that he is preaching, defending God. And last week we talked about, T.D. talked about zooming out and seeing the bigger picture. Last week Stephen starts his speech to this council and he starts it by basically saying, look, the God that you serve is the God that I'm talking about. We aren't talking about different gods. Look, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of glory, that's the God I'm referring to. We aren't on different teams. I'm not referring to a different God. That is the God I am talking about. He's just doing something new through Jesus. But it's the same God, and he goes on in his speech to address Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look, these are people that these religious leaders, that people of this day knew about, right? They studied their word. They knew the Torah. They knew the Old Testament. They knew who these men were. They could recite it front to back. They knew Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so here we have Stephen giving a speech on them. And now he's about to continue, and he's about to address Moses. Basically, Moses is like... These people's identity. Look, you can, people maybe had different ideas of how the Mosaic law should be interpreted during this day, but nobody debated whether it was the law. It was the law for these people. It was how they lived their life. It is how they followed God. It is how they served him and obeyed him. It was the law. So Stephen is about to say, hey, let's talk about Moses. 
You think I'm going soft on this stuff. You think that I am like misquoting Moses or that I am like talking bad about Moses or the temple or these things. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about who Moses was and what God did with Moses. Man, this is like, now he's going for it. He's reminding them of who God is and who Moses is. Who the person they look back on. I mean, this is like the time when we think back in our history of our national identity even. We look back at things, right? Like maybe the Declaration of Independence or the time that we won a war or these different things. Like that's the identity. Here we have like, he's going back to the law, to Moses, the identity of these people. And he's saying, let's talk about it. Let's tell the story. So he loves it. He doesn't defend himself. He just reminds them and starts telling the story of Moses. So in Acts 7, we're just going to read through the whole passage, and then we are going to just kind of dissect it a little bit. So in Acts 7, starting in verse 17, it says this. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, this is Stephen addressing the council. The number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom and, of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by the Egyptians, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came, up to, came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groanings and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. Last week, TD talked about in the series about how so many times we zoom in, but how often we need to zoom out and see the bigger picture of what God is doing. And that's what Stephen's doing here. Stephen's zooming out and saying, okay, let's look at the story of Moses and God. Let's look at why God did what he did. And he's explaining that like this is the God that interacts with people, right? That, what is his mission? What is his heart towards people? Why is he doing what he's doing? Not just what did he do, but why is he doing it? Have you ever served in a job, maybe you work with people or you volunteered with someone who just does not know why they're doing what they're doing? They just do the job because they do the task, but they have no idea why they're doing the task. It is not fun to serve with those people, right? It's not fun to serve with people that just put a shirt on that says you belong but have no clue why they're putting a shirt on. 
Because that's not fun, right? It's not fun to work with a coworker who knows they have to do this but don't know why they're doing what they're doing. But so many times as Christians, we do this, right? We know what we do. We know what we do as Christians. But why do we do it? We know how Christians behave, but what's the heart, the character, the message of God? We got to know the message, the reason, right? Not just deliver it. Look, we are like delivery men of like the good news, right? We take the good news and we share it and we deliver it to people. But so oftentimes we've gotten so concerned about the package, right? The delivery process that we forget about the message inside the package. The heart behind it. Who is God? How does he feel about people? Why does he do what he do, does? Not just how does he deliver it. Why does he deliver it? What does he do? What does he mean with it? We've got to zoom out. We've got to start thinking about this package that we're delivering. Look, is it fragile? Is it breakable? Does it need to be upright? What is it? What's the heart behind it? What's in this package? What's in this box that we're delivering? My sister is getting married in two weeks, about two weeks, maybe like a week and a half at this point. So we are in full wedding mode. She's in D.C., but still somehow my house is full of her wedding stuff. So I don't know how this is happening. But anyway, so we are in wedding mode. And a month or so ago, she sent me a package in the mail. And TD gets so many packages. I mean, our house is like, our, the poor UPS person hates us, I'm sure. But our house is like a distribution center. It's like the receives all packages every day, all day. Packages are coming. One, because TD just loves Amazon. Two, because everything for the church comes to our house. So, like, it's like a constant box being taken down, boxes being delivered. And so TD always gets the packages. Very, I mean, if I know I'm getting a package, I've tracked that thing. I know where it's located. I know when it's getting to our doorstep because I'm excited. So I don't usually check packages when they come. I just throw them in the house. So a package came. I threw it in the house. It was for TD, I was sure. And then I went away for the weekend, and I came back. And I was like, why haven't you opened your package? And so he was like, oh, it's for you. And I'm like, what? I didn't know I was getting a package. And so I opened it up, and there were flowers inside this box. And it was all these flowers, half of them wilted, from my sister asking me to be her maid of honor. And I'm like, well, why didn't the box say there were flowers in it, right? I mean, why would you send a box with flowers and not indicate there's something living in this box, right? But we do that as Christians, right? This box didn't even explain what was on the inside. It did nothing to show that what's inside is a gift, is beautiful, is alive, the box didn't represent the gift at all, and we as Christians do this so many times without even knowing it. That we deliver these packages to our neighbor like, hey, there's a package, there's a package, there's your mail, right? And it doesn't at all exemplify or explain the heart of God. Why we do what we do. It's just the means of delivery. We get so caught up in the means of delivery, what we as Christians look like, right? The package doesn't cuss. It doesn't smoke. It doesn't drink. We don't talk bad about people. Like the package, this is what the package looks like. And now because the package looks good, I'm going to deliver it to you. Instead of the heart of God, of what does he think about people? What does he think about this world? What's his viewpoint? What's his message that he's been telling from the beginning of this book to the end of it? Who is God? Why does he do what he does? Why do we as Christians do what we do? What is the message? What's in the box? It has to carry the heart of God throughout it, all over it, all around it. Man, when we deliver a package, it can't just be a box sealed up with flowers inside. 
It has to explain. The package has to look like the gift inside of it. The why, the why of why God does what he does. But many religious people look at the package, they get caught in the package, the law, the rules, the sin, and this was the same thing that was happening here. The religious people, the council were so caught up in the package, right? This is how God has worked. This is the law. This is what we obey. This is what we do. And they had lost why they even did what they did. So let's get back to Moses when the law was giving, is given. It's basically what Stephen's doing here. Okay, so let's talk about this law. When it was given, why was it even given? What did God do? How did God feel about people? What's the story God was telling? So we're going to just um, break this passage apart and read a couple verses at a time and talk about what Stephen was trying to communicate at this time. So in verse 17, it says, as the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors for forcing them to throw out their newborn babies. I love this because he's standing up, standing up there being like, guys, this is our people. He's not standing up there as like an outsider being like, come on, guys, get on board with what I'm doing. He's saying, hey. This is our people, your people, my people, our people. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. So basically, Stephen is acknowledging right here that, yes, Moses was raised up trained and prepared by God to save the people. Yes, Moses is one of God's chosen people. God was not just like ignorant to this. God ordained Moses to be who Moses was, the perfect advocate to save his people. Part of the point here, before his fellow Jews, is that God they have come to know in and through Jesus is the same God who was made known to their ancestors. The same God precisely doing the same things, right? Rescuing people in fulfillment to his law. He's basically saying, yes, God ordained Moses to rescue his people. And that same God, the same character, the same heart, the same why is happening today. And I stand before you because Jesus has come to rescue his people. It's the same God. It's not a different God. The message is the same. This is a God who rescues his people. This isn't foreign. It's like I can just see him standing amongst his own people being like, you know these stories. I was taught these stories with you in Sunday school, right? This is God's heart. This is what God does. God rescues people. And we've all heard the saying, right, if it looks like him, tastes like him, acts like him, smells like him, whatever, it's probably him, right? If A plus B equals C, right, it's C. We used to have a, which maybe I shouldn't say this, but we, especially when we were youth pastors and we still kind of follow it today, if it looks sketchy, it's sketchy, right? <laughs> but we always try to convince us of that. Like, no, I mean, it's probably not going on. That's probably not what it is. Yeah, usually if it looks sketchy, something sketchy is going on, right? Usually if someone's behaving sketchy, they're being sketchy. Like, it's simple, right? But it's the same here, like if it looks like God, tastes like God, acts like God, smells like God, it's probably God. 
God rescued people. He's in the business of rescuing his people. And here God's trying to rescue people. He sent Jesus to rescue people. What's happening? The movement of Jesus is going forth. The spirit being poured out. This is the same God. It's the same God. But look, guys, when new things start happening in our culture, like I have to think about these religious people, like what was that like to see a new movement birth forth that was a representation of your God, right? What was that like? But we experience these things today, right? This new church, this new movement is like seeing God do things and all these people are following them and and do we know, like, is that really God? And we've got to be people who don't just go to a Facebook article, right, and start researching. We don't just go to Fox News or NBC and we start researching what they have to say about this movement. we got to be a people who know the word of God, who go to it and who investigate it. But let me tell you, don't just investigate it to see what the words say in a sentence. But see why God was saying what he was saying to those specific people. What is his heart towards people? And when this world starts changing, when movements birth forth, when politics start changing, when laws are put into place, and we as Christians don't know where we fit, how do we stand with the Lord? How do we have his heart? We better know his heart. And not just what the words say, but why they say it. What was he doing? What was his heart? What's the story he was telling? What's the message? Because that's what we have to live out as Christians. Why does God do what he does? What is his heart towards people? Does the, do these things smell like him, look like him, act like him? Does this resonate with who God is? What is the message to this world that God's telling? Is this message God's message? And I love it. In scripture, they give us a way to tell, like, false prophets or not, right? Is this false prophet, is this really the Lord? And it says in Matthew 17, it says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, they will by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Their fruit. Right in here we have Stephen, a man full of fruit. God's moving. God's up to something. And they're saying, huh, are you false? Is God really moving through you? Look, it's the same God true to his character. We've got to investigate the fruit. Like if things start happening, does the fruit look like God? Does it taste like God? The God that I know, his heart for people. Look, God is the same God, and I love this because this makes him so trustworthy and able to understand. God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The God that's rescued the Israelites from slavery is the same exact God today. His heart is still about rescuing his people. He is the same God. So when we investigate who God is, why he does what he does, what's his heart, what's his character, it does not change. From the beginning of the book till the end of the book, our God is the same God. But let me tell you this morning, church, he does new things. His character is unmovable. His character, his heart, his why will not change. 
but the method, the package changes. And that's what's happening here with these religious people. Stephen's saying, hey, it's the same God. It's a different day. It's the same God, but he's doing something new. He's doing something new. And it says just verses before these passages, passage that I read, it says that Stephen, in the face of the council, his face began to shine like an angel. And I love it because here he is, his face beginning to shine like an angel as he begins to talk about Moses. This was basically the council's burning bush moment right in front of them. And they totally missed it. But I have to believe they missed it because they weren't even looking at Stephen. They were looking backwards. Well, remember when God did that? Remember when God was that person? Remember how God used a burning bush? I don't see a burning bush anywhere around here. Remember how God did that? I don't see him doing that thing. But if they would have understood that this is God's heart, this looks like God's heart, they could have seen the moment right in front of them. That God was doing something new, the same God, different day, a new thing. That God was trying to show himself, revealing himself as Stephen was standing there, even saying, hey, freedom's available to you guys. You guys who are opposing it, their burning bush, the face shining with God was right in front of them. Look, when our past becomes so sacred, our national identity so sacred, our religious traditions so sacred, that we begin to put up walls to keep other people out because what we have is so sacred, we're missing the heart of God. And I don't care what the package looks like. The heart of God is about rescuing his people. And if a sacred past gets in the way of that, it is not the heart of God. Look, Stephen is trying to explain. God's trying to rescue even you guys. <laughs> Jesus came. He did something new. We have freedom. We don't have to live in slavery to the law. God fulfilled it. He's not denying that Moses was sent, that the law was given by God. He's not denying it. He's saying Jesus fulfilled it. It's the same God, but he's giving us a new covenant, a new thing. But their past was too sacred. Their identity, their rules, their laws, too sacred to get in with what God was doing. We're so much like this. We are. It goes on and says, he continues to address them and says, when Moses, on verse 23, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting, and he tried, you guys hear that? Sounds like coffee's like brewing. That's what I keep thinking it is. I'm like, oh my God, is there like a pot of coffee? Does it sound like that to you guys? No. Anyway. Okay. Let's go back to verse 26. The next day Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the others pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. So secondly, Stephen's pointing out to these people, his people, 
the people of God, right, that even Moses, their sacred Moses, was a rejected rescuer. Man, hindsight's great, right? <laughs> I mean, hindsight, these religious people could look back and be like, well, yeah, of course Moses was who he said he was. Of course God used Moses to free us. Of course God was doing something new in that day and rescuing these people, right? But it's hard when it's right in front of you. And Stephen's saying, hey, could you be rejecting this rescuer too? Could you be rejecting Jesus who came and did the ultimate rescue? Hey, could this same thing be happening again where religious people aren't getting it? That God's doing something new. But I love it because it looked and tasted like God. I mean, the character was still the same. Just a new thing. God's rescuing his people. And he's standing up there anointed by God while the religious people threaten his life. Talking about Moses bringing freedom while he's trying to bring freedom to these very people. I just can only imagine how he was trying to be like humble and kind and like reflect the Lord while he's like, hey, is any of this ringing a bell? Don't kill me. <laughs> like God's doing something new. Could God be rescuing his people? The same God, but it's a different day, a different rescue mission. But instead of seeking God and seeing what kids up to, they looked at the package and the method. And it doesn't look like that package and that method. So it can't be God. The one who steps out, you all know this, right? Because we've all been there. We've all done it. If you have any sort of boldness in you, like the one who steps out always gets shot, right? <laughs> the one on the front lines always goes down first. The one leading worship, which can we just thank our worship team? Like these guys give so much. Yeah, thanks for the couple claps. They're here on, like, Thursday nights, which nobody probably knows or a lot of people don't for hours practicing. I mean, they're here before anyone else gets here on Sunday morning practicing. And our ushers and everybody, like, if you go first, if you're the one on stage, you're the one that has a chance of getting talked about afterwards, right? If you're serving, if you're going first, if you're stepping out and speaking truth, if you're the one that's going to that neighborhood, if you're the one that's going to those people, you run the risk of being the one that is now standing in front of the council, right? And here we have Stephen being like, hey, guys, Moses did this and you rejected him. I'm trying to do this. Don't shoot me too. But we do this, right? We're so concerned with sinners. The church, many times, so concerned with sinners. But you know who is confronted time and time and time again in the Gospels? Religious people. The people that say that they're God's people. That's who gets confronted over and over and over again. If, you've, if you're friends with many people that are non-believers, I'm sure you've heard this or heard an extent of this. But one of our district supervisors said it so well. She said a lot of her friends tell her the reason they don't want to be in church is because we're the only ones who eat our own. But it's kind of true, right? I mean, if we're being really honest, like we really do eat our own. Like, oh, that pastor said that? Well, let's say, let's talk about that. Oh, that church is doing that thing. Oh, they're doing that. Oh, right? And if you start thinking about like other like communities and groups, there's not really known for that. But the Christian church... We're pretty known for eating our own. Why would anyone want to be a part of that group? <laughs> but I mean, let's look back at our history. A man filled with Jesus 
standing before the religious leaders and they're eating their own. They're missing out on what God has for them. God doesn't change. Look, we can trust that. But it, that's, that's really, really, really good news. That God doesn't change. That he's the same for every generation and he has been from the beginning. That God is the same God. But he does new things. It's a different day. We have to find him and join in with what he's doing, right? That looks like God, that smells like God, that tastes like God. I want in on that. We have to know God, and we can't miss it because we're holding on to our sacred cows, right? The things of the past and miss what God is doing right in front of us. It goes on in verse 30, and it says this. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. I love this because basically, like, Moses is just hanging out 40 years later. <laughs> like, I think we read this passage and just think, like, Moses was probably praying in the wilderness. Like, and God just appeared to him. Moses was, like, doing his duties. <laughs> 40 years later. <laughs> that's a lifetime, right? I mean, that's for some people, that's literally a lifetime. He's hanging out, doing his chores, doing what he does. And he saw a burning bush, right? In the desert. And when he saw this, he was amazed at the sight and went over to get a closer look. It's not just like this burning bush just right in front of him. Something new was happening and he had to be like, wait, what is that? I want to investigate that. I want a closer look at what that is. And he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I love this because God's setting the stage. I'm that God. The same God from today, yesterday, and forever. I am that God. And Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their groanings and have come down to set them free. Now come, and I will send you back to Egypt. Look, Moses going about his life in an unexpected way, a burning bush. And God confirms that, yes, it's me, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's me inside this package, right? But right now, outside the temple, right here in this moment, before there was ever even a temple built, this is holy ground. Man, Stephen's saying, guys, God has always existed outside <laughs> in unexpected ways. He's pleading not guilty against speaking to Moses is basically what he's doing. He's pleading not guilty. I have not spoken poorly of Moses. I believe Moses is God's chosen. I believe Moses was obedient to the Lord. I believe God chose Moses to do what Moses did. But when it comes to the temple, he's like, meh. <laughs> right? He's like, I mean, from what I see of the stories that we've heard that we know to be true of our ancestors and God, God showed up outside the temple. God was in a burning bush. And now that I'm telling you Jesus has come on the scene and the Holy Spirit's being poured out and we can be his temple, why aren't you believing it? Because what? It looks like God to me. It looks like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It looks like God's character. It looks like God's heart. Stephen, shining in the presence, with the presence of God, reminding them at this moment, this moment is holy ground. Outside of the temple in an unexpected way, in a totally new way.
there was a holy moment in the midst of them that they could have joined in on. And they did it. Man, this is a story of us, right? A story of the Israelites long ago. A story of Jesus and the early Christians. And a story of us today. When God's wanting to do new things. New things. Christine Kane said it so well. She said so many times when she was preaching a couple weeks ago. She said so many times the church wants the same old thing just in a new younger body. And it's true, right? God, do what you did 20 years ago, but just do it in a young, more energetic pastor. God, do what you did 20 years ago in my family, just in a younger, fresher way. God, do what you did just in a, you know, younger form. But God's doing a new thing. And this is why these religious people missed it. Because they were like, I just want what God did when he freed us from the Israelites just in a, you know, younger body. God's the same God, but he does new, fresh things because it is a new day. There are new people he's trying to reach. There is a new culture. There's a new generation. And God's doing new things. What happened 20 years ago is good. Man, the Israelites being freed from slavery, that's good for all of us. It's good that God sent Moses to deliver the law. That's good. But let me tell you what's better, Jesus. And they were missing what was better because they were enslaved by the past, by the good past. They weren't enslaved by past sin. They were enslaved by what was good about their past. Guys, we have to be humble enough to receive the places where suddenly God wants to reveal himself. Humble enough to say, well, is this a move of you, God? Does it look like you, act like you, like your character? Is it who you are? Look, I'm not saying giving in to any new thing that comes. We got to know who God is. Because there's a lot of false information in the world. There's a lot of false media. There's a lot of false articles you can read. There's a lot of false. We got to know who God is. But I'm not talking about God's Christian packaging. Not who the church is, who Christians are. Who is God? What is his character? What is his heart? How does he feel about the world? If we're going to have beliefs on immigration, beliefs on foreigners, beliefs on our neighbors, let me tell you, we better not just know what the Christian next to us thinks or what the Christian article says. We better know what God thinks about people. What is God's character towards people? What is God's character towards a foreigner? What is God's character towards me when I was a foreigner? What is God's character? What is his heart towards people? We got to know who God is. We can't just depend on the past. Even though it was good. Even though it's good. Look, Jesus was on the scene. And they just wanted the law. When Jesus was on the earth and he was bringing disciples and recruiting disciples and people were choosing to follow him, one man comes up to him and says, God, Christ, I will follow you, but let me bury my dead first. And we probably all know this passage because it's so confusing because God's like, no. And it's just like, what, Jesus? You said no, he can't go bury the dead. Like, he can't go bury his family member that's passed away. That seems like a reasonable thing. That seems like a good thing, right? But Jesus is saying, no. There's a new day. 
It's a new day, and I have to believe that God knew it was better for him, that Jesus knew it was better for him to leave the dead and move forward. Who knows if that man, if he stayed, would he have become enslaved by the loss, by the grief, by the pain, by the world? When God was saying, come with me, it's not dishonoring. Come with me, because I can bring healing and freedom in those places. If we stay enslaved by even the good of the past, we will miss what God has for us today. This man couldn't even stay to bury his dead. That's so reasonable. But God had better things, healing for him, freedom, momentum. God's not inconsiderate. Look, Jesus wasn't being inconsiderate. Like, I don't care about your dead family member. No, Jesus was saying, hey, you'll find what you're looking for, freedom and healing from this. Not in slavery if you just choose to come with me today. That passage says this, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What? Anyone who starts this and then looks backwards isn't fit for the kingdom of God. And he was looking back at good things, right? Memories, life. I love the message. It says no backward looks. <laughs> no backward looks. God's doing things today. He's got people today that need rescued. He's on a mission, and it means something to him. No backward looks. What gods or sacred idols of our past keep us from experiencing God today? And we all have them. If we look hard enough, we all have them. Ideas and mindsets and things that we loved or that we hold on to so tightly. But what sacred cows of the past keep us from God today? Even good things keep us trapped. We can have a testimony of what God did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And that is awesome. It is. I'm not downplaying any of the past. Like I'm thankful for the things God has done in my life. But I would never want the things he's done to keep me from what he's doing and what he wants to do. Look, there's a testimony of the past, but there is now a testimony of today. And at some point, we have to stop telling the testimony of our past. And we have to start saying, God, what's my testimony today? What's my testimony today? It's like those people on Facebook, which I was one of them this week because it was a cute picture of Luca. But, you know, it's like us on Facebook and they're people that only share past like, this happened a year ago, this happened three years ago, this happened ten years ago. It's like, hey, what about today? Like, your kid's grown up now, you know? Like, what, what about today? Like, what's God doing today? And if we're not careful, the gods and idols of our past will enslave us. If Moses wouldn't have went to look at that burning bush, a new thing. Look, there had been no burning bushes before where God showed up in them. Right? If he wouldn't have went to investigate, what is this new thing that's happening could that be God? <laughs> Would enslavery for the whole people still have occurred? Would they have been freed? Right? We can't miss our burning bush moments. What have become monuments of our past that we refer back to when God is just doing a new thing? Totally new. Look, as parents, if we're constantly reminiscing about when our kids were younger, you're going to miss your teen right in front of you. And look, I'm not saying teenage years are like perfect. I haven't been there and I will be at some point. But 
I'm saying that if you always are reminiscing about the past of your child, you're going to miss the beautiful child right in front of you. The one who's standing there, who needs you, who has things to tell you and talk to you about. The new child that's right there. I get they were cuter when they were three. Look, and if you think that, maybe spend time with my three-year-old because he is like a monster. But if we're constantly reminiscing about the good memories, the good this, we're missing the memories today. The things God wants to do today. Look, bury your dead. No, come with me is what God says. Good memories can even keep us entrapped from missing it. Me and TD were having a conversation the other day, and I don't even remember what it was about, but I was like, oh, I didn't know that about you. Like, oh, I learned something new about you. And then, you know, because I was fishing for compliments or whatever, just fishing to know that he listens to me. I was like, so what have you learned about me that lately? And he was like, I don't know, I've learned some things. I'm like, what? And then he couldn't come up with anything, so whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh, of course. But it's true, right? I mean, I will tell you, TD is the same guy I married. There are things about this guy that will never change. I mean, that's just true. He is so stubborn that he cannot be changed on certain things. It's just TD. It's who he is. So I could very easily be like, he's TD. I've known TD for 10, 11 years. Like, he's TD. Right? I mean, I know these things are true about him. And I could miss all the other things that he's learning and growing in and changing. And I could miss the TD right in front of me because I'm so focused on just the TD I married. And it's the same with the Lord. Man, God is the same God. His character will not change. He is trustworthy. He is true. But he is doing new things. And he does new things. And he will continue to do new things. He will continue to amaze us. There is always more to learn. There is always more to see and experience and understand. Look, it is the same God, but it is a different day. It's a different day. Same rescue mission, different way of doing it. It's a different day. Look, God has burning bush moments for us today. He's the same. The story he's telling about rescuing people, the same. It's been the same this whole time. <laughs> but if the means, if the method, if the package looks different, we better be aware. <laughs> we don't want to be like these religious people who missed their burning bush, who missed freedom for them, for themselves. <laughs> Because they were so stuck on the sacredness of the past. Look, we worship a God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of our ancestors. It's not a different God that we worship, but it's a new day. It's a completely new day. If I could just have the worship team come up. My questions this morning are this, just the three points that we kind of went over just to rehash it. The first one is this, what's the message all about? Forget about the packaging, the outward, right? Forget about what Christians should and shouldn't be, right? The things that we are told about our, like, obedience or achievement. My question today is, what's the message all about? What is God's heart towards people? What does God feel about this world? And I think so many times we get so confused about, like, the Old Testament. Like, how could God behave that way or... Why did God do these things? But if you really study the Old Testament and you study the covenants that God was in with his people, you start realizing God's the same. God was the same God. It was a rescue mission. He was loving his people. He was trying to save his people. He was trying to get his people out of their messes. Even throughout the Old Testament. And woo! Into, can you hear me? I don't know if you can hear me. Into the New Testament. God is the same, same God. 
So my question this morning is as we go about our life, when things start changing, when we see a culture changing, when we see our churches changing, when we see a method or a packaging changing, we've got to know who God is. So do we know, right? Do we know what the message is all about? Can we point out, man, I've never seen it done like that before, but man, that looks like God. It tastes like God, smells like God, acts like God. That's God's heart for people. I've never seen that before, but that resonates with the God, with the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, a new day, the same God. And second this morning, we have to ask ourselves, are we being the rescuers or the rejectors? Because we can take two stances. And look, I don't know about you, but even if I'm wrong, I'd rather be on the rescuing side <laughs> than the rejector side. I'd rather being the one giving grace than pointing a finger. I'd rather being the one saying, man, that looks like God, I'm getting in on it than questioning if it measures up to my sacred cow. Are we the rescuer or the rejecter? Are we the one stepping out for the good news, saying, if you hurt me, if you stone me, I'm going for it because there are people that need to be rescued and God's heart is for them and I am not gonna stop. Are we the people that sit on the religious council being like, hey, I know what the Bible says front to back. So let's see how you measure up to the word. Or three, are we looking for our burning bush moments today? A totally new way God wants to meet with you, to interact with you, to speak to you, to reach people. Or are you simply looking for God to do the same thing in a younger body? And we have to ask this, especially the older we get. And the more you've sat in church a thousand times, right? Thousands and thousands and thousands of times, really. But let me tell you, I don't care if you're 99 years old in the room today, God has something for you. He's not like out of possibilities. He's got something new. And if you are breathing, he wants you in on it because you're here. Because you're here. Let's not miss our burning bush moments today. Look, it's the same God who's trustworthy, but it's a different day. And we have to embrace it. We have to embrace it. I love it. I'm going to read this as we close. In Isaiah, it says this. And I love it because we just see that God, man, God, he's just the same God. Like he's trying to tell us the story over and over again. And he says this. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee. And those ships, they are, those ships they are so proud of. So then he goes on and he says, I am the Lord, your Holy One. Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath wa the waves and they drowned. Their life snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. He's saying, look, I'm the same God that did these things that you know about. He's doing it again. He's doing the same spiel. I'm that God. The same powerful God, the same God that saved people before, the same God that sent the chariots while they were fleeing from Egypt. I'm the same God that drowned them. I'm the same God that saved you. I'm the same God that freed you. The same God of Isaac and Abraham and Jacob and Moses. I'm the same God. And then he goes on and says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. 
And I can only imagine when the guy said, let me go bury my dad. And he's saying, stop it. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. Do you see it? I have already begun. But do you not see it? God, once again, is doing the same thing. Look, I'm that God, but it's a new day. Do you see it? Do you see it, or are you too religious to see it? God is doing a new thing, and it is exciting. He's a good God. He's rescuing his people, and we get to be a part of it. But we got to filter out our church ways, right? The ways where we've become hard, the ways where we've just gone through the motions, the ways that we've just seen God do this. We know how God interacts. We know what God does. We know how God speaks to us. Like, I'm that way, right? But what if God wants to do a new thing? A new thing that we've never seen. A new burning bush moment that maybe we aren't even aware that's about to happen. Will we be able to know whether it's God or not? Because we know God's character. We know why he does what he does. Because if we only know what he does, then if he doesn't do that same thing, it doesn't make any sense to us. But if we know why God does what he does and we really know it, then when God does new things, then it's fine. Because we know why God does it. And that seems like God to me.